What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Birds of Broad Street live stream of the podcast. Today, we got a fun episode. We're going to be talking about Carson Wentz, all the things that led to his trade this past month. When did he get traded? In February. Um, All the different events from his rookie year up to this offseason. We'll discuss them, and then me and James will each rank them of importance. Uh, But first, how are you feeling, James? I'm good, dude. Even before the episode, we were planning this out. I'm still flip-flopping like on what I think was most important yep. or what I think was least important because they all just intertwine together and they all connect to each other. So it's going to be fun when we discuss it because I feel like I'm just going to keep going back and forth with it um, every time we, we say an event. But uh, yep. first, we did have a lot of Eagles news today via yep. Mike K from NewJersey.com Advanced Media. I know he's an Eagles beat writer down there. Um, the first topic we have to discuss is Dallas Goddard. Mike K reported that Dallas Goddard is likely to get a huge extension next offseason. How much do you think this plays into the draft, if we're going to get Kyle Pitts or not? And how much do you think this plays in from just Dallas Goddard's first three years of production? Uh, I think he's shown a lot of uh, potential his first three seasons. Uh, people talk about him as already a, a top 10 tight end even being the tight end two for the Eagles the past three seasons behind Zach Ertz. I think this is going to be something that's a, a done deal unless he um, really craps the bed in 2021 or gets hurt and the Eagles kind of rethink uh, signing him to a big deal. But I think it's a foregone conclusion. Um, I don't think it, it changes anything in the draft. I think if you draft Kyle Pitts, uh, you can kind of throw away his position tag. I don't see him as a tight end. I don't see him as a receiver. I think he can do everything on the field. So um, I don't think even if you signed Dallas Goddard today to an extension, it would prohibit the Eagles from drafting uh, someone like Kyle Pitts. Well, the thing is, like with Sirianni, he also loves to run the two tight end set. And also Kyle Pitts is not really a traditional tight end. Like you said, you can put him anywhere on the field. He can line up receiver, tight end, slot. He just has that type of speed and athleticism. But with for me – I think the Eagles see Dallas Goddard's talent and what he could be. Yeah, he's been a top 10 tight end his first two years, but I don't think he's nearly reached his full potential yet. I think he could be the best tight end in football. I think he has that type of talent. I just want to see it out of him first before I'm ready to, you know, give him that huge extension. And that's why I think they're waiting until next year to like reward him heavily because they want to see if he can do it consistently throughout the whole year, because he has had injuries, you know, he has had games where he's taken it off. And you also had one of the top three tight ends lined up right next to you. So that takes yep. the off you. It's going to open things up for you. So as long as I can see him be tight end number one and take over a game, I will feel comfortable giving him that. But right now I'm 50, 50 with it. I know the talent is there. I know he's going to be a great player but I need to see it from a consistent basis because I know Zach Ertz is likely going to be out the door. Yeah. And I think Zach Ertz leaving is, is actually, I think Dallas Goddard is the reason that you're kind of pushing Zach Ertz out the door. You know, you can't sign them both and spend that type of money uh, on the tight end position. And, and Dallas has shown you many times when Zach's been out of the game that he can come in and beat the tight end one. And he's had a lot of big performances when Zach's been out of the lineup. So um, yeah, Dallas Goddard probably gets, probably gets the extension um, towards the end of, of next year or at the beginning of next year's offseason. But another young player that's that's kind of 
he was a first round pick, Derek Barnett, but hasn't shown the the flashes of being a, a top fifteen pick, pick, which he was. And and Mike K reported today that he believes um, Derek Barnett's in a make or break season with the Eagles, uh, going into his fifth year, I believe, uh, one year, uh, ten million dollar contract. Uh, none of it's guaranteed. So if the Eagles cut him tomorrow, they would save ten million on the cap. But I don't think that they're ready to cut bait with him yet. Um, I think he's a commodity. I think a lot of teams would be be willing to take a flyer on Derek Barnett. I think the Eagles could really use this time to uh, sign him to a team-friendly deal, keep him under contract for a few more seasons, um, and it would be it would be cheap. I think they could lower his cap number with an extension uh, now instead of cutting him, and you lose out on figuring out if this guy can really be it because he's shown flashes. It's just it's not what you would expect out of the 14th overall pick. Yeah. Now the market is surprisingly really high for them, but that just goes to show how much the NFL values defensive linemen. Everybody takes a look at him and like being a first overall pick in 2017 and thinking, okay, maybe I can be the team that gets the fullest potential out of him. And it's not like we haven't seen it before. Like uh, the Buccaneers signed Jason Pierre Paul to a huge contract ever after everybody thought he was done. Everybody thought he was washed up and he comes into Tampa Bay and, you know, ends up playing well. So, I am like on the fence with it because I read reports from Ruben Frank from NBC Philly that say the Eagles are likely not going to give him $10 million because he's had mediocre production, uh, you know, the first few seasons, which, you know, that's up for speculation. If you want to say it was mediocre or if yeah. it was not mediocre, I think it's a little bit of both. I think he does show um, spurts where he can take over a game, but then also there are spurts where I say is Derek Barnett even on the field right now? I'd rather have Josh Sweat out there. So yeah. it's I, – I don't know if I'm ready just to give him $10 million. Like, if it's a one-year deal, if that's what you're looking for, I'm okay with that just to see if he can flourish and be that first-round pick, that guy that we think he can be. But if you're looking for a big contract extension, I'm not going to sign up for that. I, I'd rather let him walk and give somebody else like Josh Sweat another try and – I feel like it perfectly leads into the other defensive end right now, Brandon Graham, who's restructuring his contract yeah. so he can stay with on the team. And you posted it today. It was the Wolf of Wall Street thing. Yeah. He said, I'm not fucking leaving. I'm not leaving. Dude, I'm not leaving. I had, to, I had to watch that today just to just to remind myself of that. But, um, yeah, it's it's really tricky because you got some of these young guys at the defensive end spot. Yeah. And you have – the, you have Brandon Graham, who you don't want to get rid of just because he's the cornerstone of Philadelphia. And then you have Derek Barnett, who you know it's there, but you just haven't seen it. Yeah. So it's like you almost can't go wrong, but you need to make the right decision. Yeah, I think keeping uh, Brandon Graham around is a, is a great idea. Like he said in, in his uh, interview with Mike K, he said, I don't, want it, I don't want it to be I cut bait when this team's not doing too well and they – figure it out and they turn around and go to the Super Bowl and then I look stupid, you know, um, yeah. not, I don't think anybody thinks that the Eagles are going to win the Super Bowl this year or next year, but um, I like his thinking. I like the fact that I, I've been here. I won a Super Bowl with this team. This is the team that drafted me and believed in me uh, through thick and thin. And he just wants to ride it out. He wants to finish his career as an Eagle. And I think the, the feelings mutual with the team. That's why we heard today that they're working on a uh, restructure with him, but I do just want to double back to Derek Barnett. I think, if they sign him to an extension, I don't think it'll be a one-year deal because he's already on a one-year deal for $10 million, right? So he'd be like, why would I negotiate that type of deal? I think that they structure it in a way that it's a two- to three-year deal 
where they push money to the future. They say, we're going to reduce your cap number this year. We're going to make years two and three the, the years that you make big money. But they'll probably structure it in a way that they can get out of the deal after this season. If if he plays good this year, then they'll let him continue to play on the contract that they signed him to. But if he doesn't, they'll probably have ways to get up out of it, out of it with very little cap ramifications. So I think Derek Barnett, how he knows how to sign contracts, team-friendly contracts. So I would think on Derek Barnett being back. Okay, so to like break this down even more, so we already know BG's coming back next year. Yep. And you, most likely, and you're not going to bench Brandon Graham. Brandon Graham is obviously going to start. He's going to get a majority of the snaps. And then it comes down to Josh Sweat and Derek Barnett. And there was a report about Josh Sweat today that he is going to, you know, have a more focal point this upcoming season. So that's what I'm struggling with right now. What Are you going to do the same thing you've been doing the past couple years where you just run this rotation between both of them and, and try to get the most production out of them as you can? Or are you going to pinpoint one of them and focus on one of them for the future? So, what, like, how do you think Josh Sweat's report is going to play a factor into this? I think that the beautiful part about Mike K reporting is was uh, for the future. And I think the Eagles see that Josh Sweat can be um, a contributor right now. Not that they're, you know, going to the playoffs or anything like that. But he can play now. And I think the more defensive ends you have – uh, the merrier. I know Brandon Graham normally stays healthy, but what what happens if we go into week two, week three? Brandon Graham goes down for the season. You yeah. didn't extend Derek Barnett, so who's who are your pass rushers? It's Josh Sweat and and who? A yeah. young guy you drafted, a mid tier free agent. So I feel like especially the Eagles with the luck that they've had, the more talent and depth you have at every position, the better. And the fact that Brandon Graham's not going to play forever. So if you sign Derek Barnett now to a two three year deal. Um, you bring them back, you play the rotation game with him, Barnett and sweat. And then if BG retires after this year or the season after that, you've got two solid defensive ends and Josh sweat and Derek Barnett to continually have a great defensive line next to Fletcher and Javon Hargrave, depending on how their situations work out. Cause they're both getting a little bit older. Yeah. I hope Hargraves. I, I like Hargraves. I hope he like plays like he did at the end of the season this year, because I think him and Fletcher, if they both have it on together, combined with Brandon Graham, combined with Josh Sweat, combined with Derek Barnett, if you bring them back, I'm probably, you know, we still have a top three defensive line in this league. Uh, I don't don't think it changes next year. Yeah, I mean, either. I think especially if you bring Derek Barnett back, uh, if you draft somebody in the later rounds to come in and contribute, or you spend, you know, low-level money on a, a rotational pass rusher, I think this this D line is still going to be one of the best in the league. And if, if Hargrave and Cox are on and they're playing their best football, like they were towards the end of the season, you give sweat and Barnett and Graham one-on-one opportunities because you have to devote so much inside um, on Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave. So just like you saw Josh sweat, come on against the saints. That's, because Hargrave and Cox are playing so well. so Exactly. Like I'm saying this, so you saw how much they took over at the end. And if it wasn't quarterbacks getting rid of the ball in two seconds, they would have been there every single time. They yep. would have gotten to the quarterback. But the fact that we play man-to-man coverage a lot and your corners, they struggle off the break, That that's why you saw the ball get out so quickly. Um, other than Darius Slay, Darius Slay was obviously, you know, handled it, uh, held it down for the most part. But the other one struggled in that, Perfectly leads on to our next segment, Avante yep. Maddox. 
Go ahead. Tell, tell, what, what's going on with Avante Maddox? Yeah, so Mike K said today he believes the Eagles are going to transition Maddox back to slot corner uh, where he played. He played slot corner in safety his rookie season, and that was his best year uh, here in Philly. And um, the casual fan, the casual Eagles fan will tell you, Avante Maddox is trash. Who cares? Move on. He's he, he's not very good outside. He's not your prototypical outside corner. He doesn't have the size. Uh, he's not very good playing on the outside. But you put him in the slot, you get somebody like Xavier Rhodes or you draft a young stud corner to put opposite Darius Slay, and you have a, a very good cornerback group. I think Avante Maddox can be a very good slot corner in this in this league. And if he doesn't play well, then you have a guy like Craven LeBlanc right behind him if they do manage to re-sign him. So I think moving Maddox to, to the slot, you get him for $2 million this season, I believe is the number, around $2 million. And uh, he's still on his rookie deal, so it's there's there's no need to get rid of him. You still have a, a young, promising body in the secondary, so I like the move, uh, moving him back to the, the slot. Yeah, I'm not going to spend too much time on it. I think you captured it pretty well. Uh... Avante Maddox is just way too undersized to play on the outside, and he gets outmatched by every guy out there who's over six yeah. feet tall. So, yeah, I think it's a smart decision to move him back to the slot. Yeah, speaking of moving guys, we got uh, Jannard Avery transitioning to to play strong side linebacker for the Eagles coming into 2021. It's a little weird move, but it just seems like a last-ditch effort for Avery and, and both Howie Roseman to kind of salvage this move that was made. He traded a fourth round pick for him um, back in 19, I believe it was, to get Jannard Avery from the Browns. Uh, a fourth round pick is a lot for a guy that comes in and does nothing. It, it essentially is just throwing away a fourth round pick um, for a guy that hasn't done much since he's been here. So hopefully you move him to a position of need at linebacker. Who knows if they add anybody in free agency or through the draft. But I would expect Avery to have many opportunities to compete in camp to to play. Yeah, he just he hasn't seen the field. Right. I, I don't get it. Like I don't know if it was not a scheme fit thing, and that's why you're moving him to linebacker or what. Um, but our linebackers really can't get as bad as they were last year, other than Alex Singleton and T.J. Edwards. I, I'd rather have Jannard Avery out there than anybody else, other than them two. Uh, why not give him a shot? Especially who else you got? Nathan Geary, Davion Taylor. We haven't really seen much from yet. But, you know, at worst, he'll be a special teams guy. Yep. I think I don't want to make this episode super long or anything like that, but I just want to – one point with the linebackers. I think if 2021 is a lost season, quote-unquote lost season, I think you spend this season figuring out what these young guys can do. All the young guys you've drafted in the past couple seasons, see what they can do. You're going to let Kayvon Wallace play. You're going to let Sean Bradley play. We need to see what Davion Taylor can do. We need to see if Jannard Avery can be anything. Like, We need to start seeing these young guys perform and figure out if they're going to be on this team moving forward or if we're going to cut cut bait at the end of 2021. We can't keep um, bringing in low-level veterans or older guys to take snaps away from these guys. You really got to figure out if these guys are going to be the ones uh, moving forward. Yeah, Nick Sirianni even mentioned it in his interviews. He said, we're going to evaluate talent all year long, and I think that's what it's going to be for the Eagles. It's going to be a throwaway year to see what you got. Yeah, it has to be. You want to uh, move to Carson Wentz now? I think it's time. Yeah, <laughs> the big part of the show. Yeah, here we go. So uh, Carson see. Wentz traded a couple weeks ago. I'm still emotionally hurt. My heart is 
broken. It remains broken. But we're going to go from 2017 to today. All the things that happened that contributed to Carson Wentz being traded, whether that was his fault, the Eagles' fault, blind luck. We're going to talk about all those things, and then we're going to rank them each towards the end. And um, I think it'll be fun. So um, in order, 2017, of course, you have the ACL injury against the Rams. Puts him out for the the whole rest of the season. Um, it's tough. He was having an MVP caliber season. He would have won MVP if he continued. He should have won MVP, in my opinion. He still had um, the best numbers out of any quarterback that season, even missing those final few games. Um, yeah. And Foles, of course, goes on to win the Super Bowl. And then you fast forward to 2018. Uh, he comes back from the ACL injury, but hurts his back early on in the season, has a back fracture. Um, he plays a few more games, but then the Eagles find out and they shut him down. Um, and Torrey Smith came out recently and said that Carson wanted to play. Carson wanted to play through it. He had been playing through it. And the fact that they wanted to shut him down and give it back to Nick um, kind of started the turmoil between Carson and the organization. Um, then you move on to the the woes of Howie from drafting to free agency, the guys that he's brought in that couldn't stay healthy, that got injured, that stay injured. Um, th those are those are big deals to me. Then the 2019 clowny hit knocks him out of his first playoff game, which I think he would have won. Josh McCown came close to winning that game. Carson was one of the hottest quarterbacks towards the end of 2019. So I think Carson would have won that game uh, if Clowney didn't cheap shot him at the end of the game. Yeah. Then um, I think the 2019 Clowney hit led to Howie drafting Jalen Hurts and then his 2020 performance. So we have we have seven different events or incidents from 2017 until now. So I'm going to let you go first, James. All right. So in through all these. Do you want me to go from least impactful or most yeah. impactful? Go from least impactful to most impactful. Least? Okay. Starting it off would be Carson Wentz's 2020 performance. I think that's the most least impactful. We talked about it earlier. All quarterbacks have bad seasons. Yep. I don't think this played too much of a factor, even though I think it was related to other things that happened prior. That's why Carson Wentz had such a bad season, but I don't believe it had that much to do with it. Um, next is Foles winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, Foles played great. But I think we all knew, especially as time went on, that it was such a magical run and it yep. was something that'll never be done again, that it didn't seem like much of a threat to me anymore. If somebody says Carson Wentz versus Foles right now, everybody laughs. Nobody wants to have that conversation anymore. So that's why I don't think that is it's not as that important. Um, the 2017 injury, this would be a lot higher on my list if I didn't see Carson Wentz play at a high level again. And I have seen Carson Wentz play at a high level. After that hit, yep. no, it was such a magical season. Uh, you're right. He would have won MVP. They were the best team in the league. They probably would have steamrolled through the playoffs like they already did. And they, honestly, I don't think the Patriots game would have been that close if the, if no. Carson Wentz was in the Super Bowl. I think it would have been a blowout. Um, next, I have Howie. This is just a combination of things. Howie's drafting, picking yep. UK, um, you know, how his free agent moves other than 2017 where he picked every single guy right he just wasn't able to build a good team around Carson and then leading off of that is the Jalen Hurts you draft Jalen Hurts you destroy Carson Wentz's confidence you show Carson Wentz that this is not his team anymore 
Um, I feel like he was blindsided by the whole thing. I don't think he knew that we're going to draft a quarterback in the second round. And Carson's looking like, why aren't you getting me help? Like you saw that I struggled to take this team to the playoffs last year. And this is, this is how you're going to repay me. You're going to draft my replacement in the second round. And then um, the 2018 injury, I never believed this is second on my list. I never believed that it was that big of a factor until a former Eagle 2017 Eagle, Torrey Smith came out and said, that this is kind of where the toxication between Wentz and the Eagles organization started, that Carson Wentz wanted to stay in. He wanted to finish the season. He wanted to fight for that playoff spot. But instead, you elected to go with Foles. And then that just snowballed out of control because Foles played well. He won a playoff game. And then he was one drive away from going to the NFC Championship game again. And then my most important one is the clowny hit. I think... The clowny hit was so devastating for Carson Wentz's mental, psyche, uh, ego, confidence, everything. Because, like you said, if that doesn't happen, Carson Wentz finally gets over the hump of winning his first playoff game. He's finally looked at as an elite quarterback. And I don't think he comes into this 2020 season feeling the same way he did this year, where he was struggling with his mechanics. He was struggling with his confidence. He looked like he had no pocket presence whatsoever. Um, some people blame it on the concussion. You blame it on the Jalen Hurts thing. I just feel like if this clowny hit never happened, Carson Wentz would have been handed the keys to Philadelphia because he finally got his first playoff win and he finally proved that he could lead this group of misfits to, you know, a winning organization, whatever you want to say. But yeah, I I can't like help but think i used to always think what if 2017 never happened but now i always think to myself you know what if Clowney never got that cheap shot what if carson finished the game how far yeah. could the eagles have gone yeah it's tough man i i don't want to go super long-winded with mine but i feel like a lot of my points connect to to other points so number seven the least important was the 2020 performance mm-hmm. you can sit there and say that carson played like trash well, the guy that came in to relieve and played like trash as well. So um, I don't think that you can look at that. It's a simple math equation. If they both struggled, it's probably both not their fault. So um, moving on to number six, the ACL injury. I think we're too far removed for it to continue to be a thing. I think it's it's a it's an afterthought when you talk about all the things that went wrong with Carson Wentz. Um, many quarterbacks tear their ACL, come back and are are just the same, which he did. He came back and he played well in 2018. He played well in 2019, uh, not so much in 2020. Uh, Number five, the 2018 back injury. Uh, To hear that he wanted to continue to play through it um, and that the Eagles were like, no, we want to sit you. We're going to roll with Foles. I think that's compounded by number four, which was Nick Foles winning the Super Bowl. If Nick Foles didn't win the Super Bowl, if the Eagles weren't successful after Carson Wentz got hurt, I don't think Carson Wentz has the motivation to say, I need to stay in there. I need to, you know, I need to show you guys that I can do this. This guy just came off of a Super Bowl. I need to, I need to play well. I need to get you guys to the playoffs. I need to win a playoff game. I don't think that pressure's on him. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I don't think the 2018 rift happens without Nick Foles winning the Super Bowl. Uh because it, it just created a a cloud of pressure on Carson Wentz that you know, was it really him? Did he really have that good of a season? Look what Nick did with the same team that you played with. We won the Super Bowl without you. Um, and then to come back in 2018 and have Nick take this team to the playoffs, win a playoff game, and get so close to going to the NFC Championship. So I think the back injury 
directly is affected by Foles winning the Super Bowl in 2017. So then number three for me is the Clowney hit. I think the Clowney hit, you take Carson out of the, the playoff game that he's probably going to win. I mean, the, we can play the the if games and the what if games all we want, but if Josh McCown almost won this game, I'm pretty sure that Carson Wentz playing 27-7 and seven football uh, was going to win this game against uh, the Seahawks. He was able to uh, move the ball very well um, the last four games of the season, so I think he would have won against Seattle. I think the clowny hit led to um, the drafting of Hurts, but I have Hurts number one. I think Howie Roseman – the, the drafting, the free agents, the the getting guys that can't stay healthy, not replacing the guys that can't stay healthy with guys that can stay healthy, getting young, fast talent. The fact that Carson's best receiver he ever played with was Alshon Jeffrey is a crime. It's a crime. We can't go – you can't go through the top QBs in the league and not name me a Pro Bowl-level weapon that he has. Aaron Rodgers has Devontae Adams. Patrick Mahomes has Hill and Kelsey. Tom Brady has everybody, okay? Um, Russell Wilson has DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and David Moore and Chris Carson. And, uh, I mean, the list just goes on with elite quarterbacks having elite talent around them, right? Kyler Murray has DeAndre Hopkins and Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk. Like, Carson's the only franchise quarterback in the league right now that – never got what he needed. Carson's talent level is up there with guys like Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, what he can do throwing the football. And the fact that you never got him talent is the biggest failure that this, this organization's going to see in a really long time. And then that just ties directly into drafting Jalen Hurts. I just got done taking the Rugrats. I'm talking Tommy. I'm talking Chucky. I'm talking Angelica. Her little doll, the twins, bro. I took them to the playoffs. I took Deontay Burnett and Robert Davis and Joshua Perkins. That's my guy, Josh Perkins. To the playoffs, okay? And you're going to turn around and draft a quarterback in the second round after you passed on DK Metcalf for a guy that couldn't contribute, right? After you pass on Justin Jefferson for a guy like Jalen Rager. You continue to pass on guys that I need. You don't make the trade for DeAndre Hopkins, right? You don't make a push for Julio or a guy like Odell Beckham Jr. You don't, you're not trying to get me elite level talent and show me that you're going to help advance my career. And I think all those things led to Carson Wentz saying, you are not capable to, you're, you're just, you're going to ruin my career. You already did it in 2020. I got people thinking that I can't play football anymore. And it's all your fault. The coaches that you brought in, the players that you brought in, the fact that you drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round. I mean, just go go back and look at the, the reaction that um, Aaron Rodgers had in the draft. You're going to spend a first and second round pick on a quarterback and running back when you got me, Aaron Jones, and Jamal Williams? Bro, I need some receivers. I need yeah. some guys on defense. They should have been playing in the Super Bowl. You yeah. can't beat Tom Brady? Like, and just like Aaron Rodgers was pissed off, Carson Wentz has a right to be pissed off. So I just think the the main culprit is Howie Roseman. I think his injury stuff, the Nick Foles stuff, that's kind of on the back burner. I think Howie Roseman is the is the real reason that Carson Wentz never found the success and you know eventually wanted to be traded from Philadelphia. It's just it's a terrible story, bro. It's just I'm gonna cry. 
It's a huge organizational organizational fail. Um, but I feel good now. I got it out. I, I feel like I can start to move on from this. I can't, bro. Look forward to a very crappy season because that's what I think we're in for. Um, but to end the episode, we do got a question from Smitty. We're Big gonna, old Smitty! We're, we're going to end it with this real quick on a high note because there is some talent in the NFL draft right now. Yep. And with the sixth pick, it's going to be very hard for us to screw it up, but I feel like we still could if we wanted to. If Howie wants to, he could still screw it up. Yep. But Smith asks, Kyle Pitts, Mark Chase, or Smith? For him, it's Chase, Pitts, and Smith in that order. But wouldn't right now, how are you feeling, Tyler? What's your order for those three? It's so hard for me. Me and you have been talking the past few days, and I can't, I can't figure out who's – who's one and who's two between uh, Chase and Pitts. I think I'm going to be heartbroken no matter who we get. I want Chase and I want Kyle Pitts, but I just know that if we draft one over the other, I'm going to be like, oh, man, I wanted him. Like, I want them both so bad. Yeah. I think I'm going to lean – this is tough, bro. I think I'm going to lean Kyle Pitts over Jamar Chase. I think you, you, you have to throw the tight end label out the window and quit talking about, well, the Eagles don't need a tight end. You have Dallas Goddard. This guy's not going to play just tight end. He's going to line up outside. He's going to line up in the slot. They're, they're pro- both probably going to line up outside together on the same play. I mean, the, the NFL isn't, you know – 1990s 2000 anymore where guys play at one spot and one spot only Kyle Pitts is going to be the best tight end in the league in a matter of years this guy is phenomenal I think he's a generational talent the fact that you can be that big that dynamic that fast that great at high point in the ball going to get the ball the way he turns his body how fluid he is in his movements I just I love Kyle Pitts and he dips his hips so well and gets out of his breaks it's insane for a guy his size. That big, bro? It's yeah, like yeah, that, I, I'm I was watching his tape and I was I was amazed. I was like, how is a guy that quickly? Yeah. I mean, like that big move that quickly, but he's gonna be second. I have to go with Jamar Chase just because on the thing what happened with Justin Jefferson last year. I yeah. don't want to miss out on another LSU wide receiver on another, you know, number one prospect. He I feel like he's the most can't miss guy on like in out of the whole draft. And I we've had our hearts set on getting a number one wide receiver for so long. So why not finally do it? I get Kyle Pitts can play, you know, almost anywhere on the field and I would not be upset with him at all, but I want this quarterback wide receiver best friend relationship finally. I feel like we've been starved of that since, you know, TO and Donovan McNabb. I want a yeah. stud in here so badly. Yeah, I think I I I piggyback on that with you. I, I want a, a number one target outside for the Eagles really bad. I've wanted Julio and, and Odell and DeAndre and guys like Justin Jefferson and, and CD lamb. Like I was pounding the table just as hard as anybody for CD lamb last off season. I, I really want the Eagles to have that bona fide number one guy. Cause I think it matters, but I just can't talk myself out of this. I think if, if the Eagles drafted Jamar chase, and Kyle Pitts went to somebody like the Lions or the Giants or the Cowboys even, I would be I would be more heartbroken and upset than if we took Pitts and the Lions got Jamar Chase. So I think – Who do you think is more NFL ready? 
I have to make a case that it's Jamar Chase because I feel like the Eagles might not know how to use Kyle Pitts. And that's what scares me is I know you have a new coaching staff and I know it's not going to be the same, but we've seen Eagles, uh, the Eagles misuse players so many times. So if you get a guy that's that talented and that athletic and is that much of a hybrid, you need to know how to use him. And if you don't, it's going to look like a huge failure. And that's why I'm kind of leaning on chase because it's a one focus thing. You know, he plays wide receiver. That's it. You know what you know. You know what he runs. It's so tough for me, bro. It I just because like I, there's like a higher ceiling kind of thing, and I'm I can't. I'm gonna stress my myself out just talking about it now. Ugh. I think Chase is probably the the safer pick, but yeah. if we're talking about ceilings, I think Kyle Pitts is out of this world. Like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if after his second year, he's considered the best tight end in the league, no matter where he goes. I mean, he just I can't even wrap my head around how somebody that big can move like that. And like I said, if, if anybody's sitting there saying he's just a tight end, he's a tight end, he's only going to play tight end, go cut on some Kyle Pitts and tell me how often you see him lined up on the line, in line, where yeah. tight ends normally line up. This yeah. guy lines up in the slot and outside more than any tight end I've ever seen. You might as well just call him a wide receiver. He's built just like Calvin Johnson, and no, I'm not comparing the, the two, but if Calvin Johnson was tagged a tight end in college – the Lions still would have put him at wide receiver. Like the Eagles could draft Kyle Pitts and say, you're a wide receiver. Now we're going to play you exclusively as a wide receiver. So it's just, I don't think I don't, I don't care the fact that he's called a tight end. I think if you ask me the question between Pitts and chase, who's the better wide receiver, I would probably say Kyle Pitts. I mean, if you just, if you just look at his film lined up outside the way he can body corners, the way he can, like you said, we're talking about the way he dips his hips and he's fluid. I just, I love Jamar Chase and I would be so excited if the Eagles finally got somebody like that. But like you said, we're, we're sitting here talking about Pitts versus Chase and it's, how it's going to draft Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith. And it's going to be. We can't forget that. There's a good chance they screwed up. Just the last thing on Pitts I'm going to leave with before we end this. He's so rare that it's almost unbelievable. Yep. That's why I struggle with it so much. Yeah, I, I just. I don't think we can be mad either way if it's between those two, but out of the three pits, Chaser Smith, I think the Eagles have a chance at one of the three. I don't think that there's going to be three teams that take. Um, Jackson is destroying my green screen right now. He just climbed <laughs> up the whole thing. So, yeah, see that? <laughs> yeah, there we go. Appreciate you, Jackson. Well, well with that one, we're going to That's That's going to end it, okay? That's <laughs> Oh, my.